Coming up right here on Locked On Big Ten, Jay Stevenson to go over a crazy weekend in the conference. Iowa goes down. Michigan State survives a scare in Bloomington. And, of course, Wisconsin Army. We'll get to all of it right here on Locked On Big Ten. You are Locked On Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening into Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single weekday. And you thank you for starting another week off with us as your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. We're joined by a different co-host every weekday, as you probably know if you've been listening into the show, but if you're new, it's always nice to remind everyone. And on Mondays, we have Jay Stevens in of the Locked On Buckeyes podcast to help us go over everything that happened over the weekend in the Big Ten. And Jay, your Buckeyes were off over the weekend. A lot of the times we start off with the Ohio State, let's be honest, usually dominant victory on Saturdays. But with that squad off, I'm sure you had your eyes around the rest of the Big Ten as you also took a little bit of a break yourself and saw Iowa fall to Purdue at home in what ends up shifting things a lot in the way that this conference is going to end up playing out. I mean, maybe not as much as it would have been if a team on the East had lost, but still, this is huge for the national implications of the power of the Big Ten Conference. Your biggest takeaways from either what happened on the field or what it means. Let's go off the field first. We're going to on sure. the field second. Off the field, I think it means just for the national landscape, we'll go to Big Ten here in a second, if you're the top four, top three, top two, you better come ready to and prepare to play every single week. We saw Alabama go down by the way of Texas A&M. And now we're seeing, we just saw the Iowa Hawkeyes, the recent number two team, no longer the number two team in the country, yeah, go we'll down by the way to the Purdue Boilermakers, another unranked team beating one of the top teams in the country, Texas A&M recently. And then now the Purdue Boilermakers unranked beating the Iowa Hawkeyes. So nationally, if you are just trying to hold your spot in the top of the country, you better come ready to play because these teams that are unranked are coming to take your head off. In the Big Ten, the Big Ten West, I always thought going into the season, it was Iowa's chance to lose. It was Iowa's title to lose as far as the Big Ten West. They are kind of my favorite. That might not happen like I thought it was going to. One more loss completely shakes up everything going on in the Big Ten West and Iowa's chances to be in Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship game. So a little national and conference new conference little update outlook for how we can view that loss to the Purdue Boilermakers. It's definitely going to shake up how things play out in what we thought was going to be the easy side of the Big Ten, right, Jay? I mean, that was the one that we'd already figured out. Iowa had played all its tough games, then all of a sudden it loses at home to the unranked Boilermakers, who, by the way, are number 24 in the country now, no longer unranked. Iowa, though, falls all the way down to number 11. Now, I don't want you to go and give me the whole spiel about how there's always a path for a team to the Big Ten mm -hmm. championship and getting into the playoff that way, Jay. But realistically here, what are the odds that Iowa has of trying to get back into this thing just with the way that people think about them after this loss and with the way they lost? That was not a convincing way to lose to the Purdue Boilermakers to try and keep believers on your side. 
Let's go to the football on the field for Iowa, and then I'll just go a little bit as far as like them getting to the Big Ten championship game. All season long, one thing in my mind about this team is their defense is opportunistic. They take advantage of the chances that are in front of them to uh, make turnovers, and they do a good job of that. However, the offense is not really one that if the defense doesn't make turnovers or create turnovers – the offense isn't one that's going to score 35, 30 points, 25 points consistently. And we saw that in this game. Only seven points from the Iowa Hawkeyes in this matchup. I was expecting at least 17, I mean, 14 to 17 points from the Hawkeyes offense. Not a seven points only single digit performance against the Purdue Boilermakers. It's kind of just one way of us kind of confirming or one way we can view what we have thought all season long or what I have thought all season season long. If the defense doesn't really help Iowa in that way, the offense is not that. Now, going for the rest of the season, the offense better find a way to score 20 or 25 points consistently because if not, if you're not getting those 14 to 7 to 10 points from the defense or 7 to 14 points, it the offense can't do it. So we may be seeing a path to where Iowa has a second loss coming up very, very soon because the offense isn't able to score enough points in college football this season to be consistently a strong team against everyone they play. Well, let's go outside of that just for a minute, Jane, and talk, like I said, bigger picture about what I mentioned before about just how this team lost and what that means for really just the way that this committee looks at things. Everyone looks at the resume, obviously, but at the same time, it's shown time and time again that the committee cares about which teams look like they're going to be able to compete with the other teams that are going to be there, Georgia, Alabama, teams like that. How does putting up seven points against a Purdue team with a team that had already had the question marks around its offense bode for the kind of perception that the Iowa Hawkeyes have? Spencer Peters threw four interceptions last weekend. Before that, you could have argued that he was good enough to get by. I don't know if that blemish on that resume is going to bode well for this team. No, it won't bode well for the team. I'm going to take a little different twist to this. It can bode well for the team. I don't think it will. In a performance like this, in a game like this, teams have one or two options. You figure out a way to fix fix the issues or you crumble due to the pressure. Iowa, I don't think, I don't, I'm not really too fond of their offense right now. They have weapons. They have good pieces. I don't think Spencer Petras is a guy, like I mentioned earlier, that can help you lead you and score all those points. Purdue's defense is, is they have some good pieces on that defense. So it's not like it's a defense that has no guys. They might have a first-round pick in George Karloftis, defensive lineman. So they do have some good pieces on that defense. But down the road, bigger picture, offense for, this, for the Iowa Hawkeyes, it could be a sign of some bad play coming up very, very soon. Hate to say it. I know Andrew Wade of Locked on Hawkeyes has a lot to talk about throughout this week, but they got to make some changes quickly because if not, they might lose to another unranked team. Yeah. I mean, we mentioned it's kind of all the tough stuff out of the way for Iowa, but again, it's obviously still needs to be executed all the way up until what they're hoping still is a big 10 championship game. But again, we don't talk enough about Purdue on this on this podcast because we don't have a Purdue host, but give credit to the Boilermakers. Aiden O'Connell, two touchdowns, 30 for 40, 375 yards, was absolutely outstanding as he and David Bell put on just a, a show for those Boilermaker fans 
Uh, I mean, there were probably a few, I don't know, in, in Iowa over the weekend. All right, Jay, we'll talk more about the rest of the games from over the weekend in the Big Ten in just a minute. Of course, we had to hit on the Iowa loss to Purdue to start things off. Jay Stevens is in to break down all of what was still a big surprising game weekend of games for the Big Ten. Minnesota beat Nebraska. Indiana was holding Michigan State close near the end. We'll talk about all of it with Jay here in a minute. You're listening into Locked On Big Ten. Big Ten fans and college football fans, prize picks is fantasy sports. And I know what you're thinking, fantasy sports, you can get all over the place now. But this is a new way of doing things that can really help cater to us, the college football fans out there. Prize picks has more college football props and sports out there to play in fantasy than any other service. How it works is you go to their site, you pick over under props on different players from power five schools, group of five schools, if you're fans of those players, really anyone. Again, prize picks has more fantasy sports for college players and teams than any other platform. So if you want to be able to have some sort of stake in playing your college fantasy you can do it over at Prize Picks. And also, if you sign up right now and use our promo code Locked On, they'll give you a 100% instant match on the first deposit into your account up to $100. Again, that's code Locked On at PrizePicks.com. Again, Prize Picks daily fantasy and daily college fantasy, especially made easy. Back here on Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every weekday. Alongside our Monday co-host and the host of Locked On Buckeyes, Jay Stevens, I'm Nate Dickinson. We're here on a Monday as we do, breaking down all the action from over the weekend in the Big Ten. We got to Iowa-Purdue. Iowa number 11 in the AP poll now. We're going to talk about the polls and everything with Kevin McGuire on the show tomorrow. But right now, let's get into the games from over the weekend that we haven't gotten to yet, Jay. Starting with Michigan State-Indiana, I pegged this one as my probably most interesting game going into the weekend. I, I didn't know, obviously, Purdue was going to do what it did. But it lived up to that billing of at least what the, the noon games had to provide in the Big Ten. Indiana gave Michigan State a really good fight. Neither offense looked super sharp. The, the TV broadcasts, I, I don't know how much you were watching throughout the weekend, but the TV broadcasts were praising both defenses quite a bit. I thought it was a little bit more of just kind of dysfunctional offense that it was great defense, at least compared to what they were saying. But it was a sloppy game. A 2015 final kind of uh, shows that a little bit. But the biggest thing was for Michigan State, Indiana had a good game. And teams are going to have good games. It's a talented defense. But Kenneth Walker the third got kind of shut down a little bit here. 23 carries for 84 yards. So he was fine. But I believe he was even looking a little bit worse than that going into the back end of that game, if I remember right, watching. He was, for a majority of that matchup, held down pretty well by Indiana. It's the reason why the Hoosiers were able to stay in it. And if you're a Michigan State fan, I have to be assuming that that's a big concern going forward. Maybe not a huge concern, but it is the first time that we've seen Kenneth Walker get slowed down by any sort of team, despite it even being a very experienced Indiana defense. Let's look at it like this. This Hoosier defense, they hold a team in college football where the rules kind of aid and help the offense. They hold a team to 20 points. Peyton Thorne, only 126 passing yards. You hold a guy who is in the running to win the Heisman to under 100 yards, 3.7 yards a carry for him. For the team, Michigan State only had 3.3 yards per carry as an 
and as an entire team for that game. Most of the time in college football, if you hold a team to 20, passing yards like that, yards per carry like that, you hold a Heisman Trophy candidate to under 100 yards, you're probably going to win the game. You mentioned it very well. I thought the opening drive from Indiana looked decent. Not amazing, but looked decent for the backup quarterback. Now, those plays are generally scripted. Once you get outside of those scripted plays, you really start to see how the game's going to unfold and how the coach is going to be able to call the plays to help the offense. Sloppy, dysfunctional, some good defensive plays. I won't knock that. But this game was really one that Indiana should have won, but their offense could not score. I believe at halftime, the score was 10-9, to and then all of a sudden, Michigan State have a reverse pass to Peyton Thorne, which he made a phenomenal catch on the sideline. Oh, yeah. And then a few plays later, he threw a touchdown pass to uh, uh to the wide open, T- Tyler Hunt, wide open towards the middle of the end zone, touchdown. And that was the lead that they got, and Indiana never was able to overtake that lead. Sloppy offense, yes. A little bit dysfunctional, yes. Defenses played well at times. But generally, if you hold a team to those numbers that I mentioned earlier, the, I, the Indiana defense, they're going to win those games. It's just unfortunate they were on the wrong side in this one. Unfortunately, Indiana just hasn't had enough of those solid performances to be able to pull out wins when they were there. Michigan State on the other side, again, didn't play its best game, but played well enough to win. It's just mm-hmm. another reassuring factor to the idea that this is a really good team. Uh, some people still questioning that with the schedule that Michigan State has had up to this point, but that's all done now. they got the bye week and then undefeated Michigan coming up. So After this, there will be no more any sort of question marks about who Michigan State has or has not played. And they're obviously going to go up and I'm not sure where they ended up in the latest AP poll. Seven, maybe eight. And I will find that. I don't have that on me right now. Again, that's something to discuss a little more tomorrow. Are are you concerned if you're a Michigan State fan, Jay, at all about what happened with that running game? Because, again, Indiana is good, but Michigan State has bigger aspirations than uh, that one game and more things to think about. Am I worried about the running game? Um, I would be if there was a game next week. But, in okay, if there was a game next week against Michigan, I might be a little bit more worried. I'm not too really worried about it. I do think that you have the off week to figure things out. Maybe it was just the Indiana defense was just the right defense at that time to slow him down. That could be what it was. It could be part of what it was. Maybe the vision was off. There's so many factors into it. There's a week off and then Michigan. So with that week off, I'm not too worried. I will be interested to see how that matchup unfolds at the end of the month. It is the same day as Ohio State, Penn State as well. So we got two really, really top 10 matchups right now in the Big Ten. I mean, I'm excited to see all four of those teams play in those two games on that day. So I'm not really too worried about it because Kenneth Walker III is really good. Every now and then you get a running back that has a game like this against a really good a defense that can't slow him down. Not really too worried about it. I'd, I, I'd be worried if he comes and it's a trend where against Michigan and then again after that, he starts to really fall off the trajectory that he has been on all season as one of the best running backs in the country. But again, that the team only won by five against an Indiana squad with him being somewhat not even again, not even bad, just kind of mediocre. So mm-hmm. if he does have another one or two string of those games, the Michigan State season might be effectively over by the time that he figures his things out. I mean, at least as far as national uh, aspirations go. 
Moving on, Jay, Minnesota knocked off Nebraska at home over the weekend. A bit of a surprise if you're someone who would watch these two teams. Nebraska had looked really, really good against really good teams over the past few weeks. Minnesota had just been up and down all year, obviously without its star running back. The offense had struggled, but we got the good Tanner Morgan over the weekend and the not-so-good Adrian Martinez. Morgan, 20-24, 209, two touchdowns, two picks, two. Martinez, 18-33, of 33, though, with a touchdown, and uh, bigger, if you ask me, really no rushing presence at all from him. He ended up with, like, negative 15. He had, he had the sack yards that he had on his ledger. He did not end up running the ball at all for Nebraska. P.J. Flex shut him down. P.J. Flex now won three in a row against Scott Frost. It, it's... Again, I said going into the weekend, these are two of those teams in the middle of the pack fighting for position. Minnesota got the win. Maybe that means they get a better bowl game at the end of the year. It doesn't mean much for the implications in the Big Ten or the national rankings. But I, get again, was surprised to see Nebraska fall to a Minnesota team that I thought had too many flaws to be able to put it together in that way. I'm very confused by by Nebraska. Now, I got to give credit to Minnesota. I'll talk about them here in a second. But I'm very confused. Because they just had a game. Was it against Michigan that they almost won? Was that the game that Lost we recently had? Lost by a field had? goal. Yeah, Michigan Lost won that by a field the goal. And then earlier in the season against Oklahoma, what I thought Nebraska should have got blown out the water. They yeah. were in the game through three quarters. Once you get into the fourth quarter. Lost to Michigan State by a field goal, too. Oklahoma, another close game there, Michigan State. The Oklahoma game, it was just Oklahoma was a, the better, a, a better team than Nebraska. They kind of exercised their muscle later in that game. You should not, they should not lose to Minnesota at all. So I get it. I understand Chris Alban, Chris Alban Bell had 11 catches in this game. Congratulations to him to having a big game after battling injury for as long as he had, has. But Nebraska, this should not happen. I mean, Scott Frost is coaching, is coaching for his job. He's not the one on the field playing. If you're in close games, you might be able to live for another day. But losing close games against a against good teams, teams better than you, in a game like this against Minnesota, this should not be the outcome. I'm very, very curious what the talk of the town is over the next over the next few days about this Nebraska Cornerska football team and primarily Scott Frost. That's exactly where I was going to go. Where are you at with Scott Frost right now? Because I was looking at this game afterwards, and I was looking at the Minnesota sideline, and I'm like, everyone still loves PJ Fleck. He has not done anything better than what Scott Frost has done this season, especially, I guess, I guess you could say he has obviously done more for Minnesota recently than what Scott has done for Nebraska. But it seems like right now that's still a very wishy-washy situation down there in Nebraska where I, I don't like, I, I don't know if I'd call it the hot seat, Jay. I, I don't know what it is exactly that Scott Frost in Nebraska is dealing with. It just feels like we're on our way to having yet another year of these conversations. So where are we at with Scott Frost? Is this just us being taken around the merry-go-round again? I think we're seeing, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, merry-go-round's great way to put that thing there. I do think that we are seeing the same thing over and over and over again with Scott Frost. And I'm just not sure, I'm not sure where to go, Nate. Like, I'm not sure if we should be excited for the future I'm not sure if we should be just stuck in the mud and saying this is what we're going to get. We've seen flashes of them being potentially able to take down teams that are better than them this season. But against this team, I just I'm I'm very confused. Before the I mean in the offseason, they got caught running illegal practices, I believe. Then all of a sudden those illegal practices 
didn't help them win football games. I don't know what they were doing. So there's so many weird things going on with this story with Scott Frost. I'm curious, very, very curious. How long is the leash for him from the AD, the boosters to Scott Frost? I think we're seeing the Scott Frost frustration every single time he's on the field on the sidelines. And I'm not sure if that's frustration from the play or pressure from up top saying, hey, man, look, you got to figure things out. Or you're up out of town. I don't know. I'm just curious to see what may come. Coach O just got, well, agreement. He's still coaching the rest of the season, but he's out at the end of this year. Do we see something similar with Scott Frost and Nebraska? Because I don't know if we're going to see anything better from Scott Frost in Nebraska than what we've seen over the past few years. If you've been listening to the show or any other Locked On podcast really for a long time now, then you know Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. Listen, protein bars comes in all different kinds of shapes and sizes nowadays. Built Bar is promising you that you're not going to have to struggle to get what they have to offer down. This is 100% chocolate in all of their bars. When you bite into it, you're going to find the flavor that you just keep coming back for. So head on over to BuiltBar.com right now. Start trying out one of their products. Again, I promise there's so many flavors there that you're going to find something that at least piques your interest. And when you do go to checkout, be sure to use our promo code LOCKED15 with your order to get 15% off. Again, that's LOCKED15 at 15% off your order over at BuiltBar.com. Just give them a try. You're going to love the way it tastes. And when you look at the wrapper and see all the stuff that's in it, you're not going to believe that you can get that kind of taste out of it. Built Bar, again, it's the place to go for the best tasting protein bars on the market. Yeah, I mean, it's all true. And again, I've been through this. We've been through this before, right? Yeah. I mean, he's been the team that it was in his four years, four and eight, five and seven, three and five, three and five. This is on track still to be his best season. I believe they're now three and five now, but still that team could easily have the same kind of season it's had before, even a better season. Maybe. I mean, I'm trying to think of like Nebraska has still to play Purdue who, who knows could be good now. Then after that, Ohio state, Wisconsin, Iowa. I mean, is there three more wins there? Is that bowl eligibility there? Mm-mm. I mean, I don't, like, I don't think so. If they don't get there, Scott Frost, yeah, I could see him being gone. But like, if they didn't fire him after last year or the year before, why fire him now? I mean, I guess that was the first couple of years of a coaching tenure, but it's just like, I don't see why the more reasons have come to get rid of him. Now there has been a little bit of improvement on this team. This team is Mm -hmm. looking better. There's reasons to keep him around for another year. The reasons to get rid of him. I don't know how many there are other than just you're frustrated of the same thing every single season, but that's a conversation for another episode, the coaches and and where they're at right now. We might get to that later this week. Let's move on. Jay. Uh, Nebraska Rutgers isn't something I really want to get into Northwest or I'm sorry, Northwestern Rutgers, not Nebraska Rutgers. Northwestern gets its third win handily, but Wisconsin in the night matchup beat up army 20 to 14 in what was pretty much everything we expected out of that game, but Rutgers or Wisconsin wins and in doing so, even if it had lost still has a chance to win this big 10. That's, I mean, 
at three and three, Wisconsin has to play still Purdue this weekend, then Iowa and Minnesota to end the season. Those are all the teams that are above it in the Big Ten West. So in theory, we could see those Wisconsin Badgers once again back in the Big Ten championship game as a three-loss team, as a team that nobody really thinks is any good right now. But it's fun to discuss the idea of just how crazy it is right now. I think we are back to over half of the teams in the Big Ten controlling their own destiny in that conference. If I'm, yeah, it should be seven out of the teams at least. Yeah. So it's that's just it's, fun. It, it is fun. I mean, in this game, you have Army who didn't throw a pass until I think the 14-12 mark of the third quarter. You had three guys from Wisconsin that had double-digit tackles. Leo Chanel leading the way with 17. It was really just the Army rushing attack was kind of what we, what you wanted to see. The Wisconsin defense is really good, and this is the kind of win against a well-disciplined Army team that you can look back and say, I know we're not the best on the offensive side. I know we're not the best when it comes to moving the ball like we thought we could be. However, we have a defense that can slow people down and stifle any type of attack that the opposition might throw at us. This is a momentum-building type of win. Now, Army is not an elite team, but they're a sound team. And when you have wins like this against sound football teams, even those games like this, you can build, you can have a chance, and there is a way for Wisconsin to win the Big Ten West. Didn't think I would say that before this weekend's games started being played. Right now, it's possible. Anything, A lot of things are possible right now. More possibilities than I think many people think there are. Yeah, I mean, real quick, just before we wrap things up, Michigan State, obviously, still undefeated, controls its own fate. Michigan, same thing. Ohio State's undefeated in the Big Ten. Penn State's only Big Ten losses across the division and can still beat everyone ahead of it. That's four teams in the East that control their own fate, along with Iowa with one Big Ten loss. Minnesota still has to play Iowa. Purdue has one loss in the Big Ten. Northwestern's two losses in the Big Ten are to Nebraska and Michigan State on the other side. And then Wisconsin's two losses are to teams where I don't think that would matter either, right? One's to Penn State and the other one, I'm pretty sure is a situation where, yeah, that one's to Michigan too. So that's eight, eight, nine, nine Big Ten teams that out of 14, if they went out, would win the Big Ten championship. <laughs> Nate, it's uh, the middle of October, and um, I've been saying for a while, by the end of this month, we'll figure out who the real pretenders and contenders are. There are a lot of contenders right now for the Big Ten, either East or West championship crown to play for the conference championship in Indianapolis the first weekend in December. Over the next few weeks, a couple of weeks, we're going to figure out who really is up there to really contend and who is just going to be out there bowl eligible.